This is Voices of Research. I am Mikael Kristadius, and you are listening to Radio Moreni. So, uh, welcome back to Voices of Research, and today our guest is Svetlana Pasti. Welcome. Thank you for invitation. So, where are you from and how long have you been in Finland? I was born and raised in Karelia, the city of the paper industry, Kontopohje. Then studied at the Leningrad State University at the Faculty of Journalism. After graduation, I left for Murmansk and worked there for 14 years as a journalist and editor at the Murmansk State Television and Radio Broadcasting. In the fall of 1996, my family and I moved to Tampere. Thus, this fall marks the 25th anniversary of my life and work in Tampere. What made you choose this city and why this exact university? I came to Tampere because my relatives live here. During World War II, my mother and her family and other relatives lived here. They are all Finns from Gatchina, Leningrad region, whom Germany sent to Finland when German troops occupied the Leningrad region. Thus, I returned to the same place where my mother went to the first grade of school. Upon arrival in Tampere, I went to study for a paid Finnish language course at the University of Tampere. In Russia, I had a Russian school and a Russian university, and I worked on radio in Russian. When I was taking these courses, I learned that there is a faculty of journalism, and in the fall of 1997, I started studying here as a PhD student and working on various projects related to Russia under the guidance of Professor Karle Nordenstreng. What about your career as a researcher? How did you choose this profession? Was it always planned or was it perhaps just chance that led to this profession? In Russia, I had thoughts about graduate school at my university. But this was unrealistic when I lived in Urmarsk, in the far north of the Arctic Circle. Besides, I really enjoyed my work on radio and my authors. When I moved to Tampere, I saw that there were no Russian-language media here, and this brought me back to the idea of graduate school. I chose the topic of Russian journalism, which I know as a practitioner, and I had extensive connections with journalists and teachers at my university. Thus, we can conclude that becoming a researcher was to a certain extent a distant dream of a media practitioner, and I got a lucky chance in new conditions. My first study of journalists in St. Petersburg was inspired by a new book, The Global Journalist, News People Around the World, edited by David Weaver, which was first published in 1998. This book includes research on journalists from 21 countries, but it did not include Russia. In the summer of 1998, I conducted a pilot study of the city media in St. Petersburg, 
and in the fall of 1999, I went to St. Petersburg for field research. In 2001, I conducted expert interviews there, and the following spring, 2002, I defended my licensiated thesis at the University of Tampere. Then I translated this dissertation into Russian to make a monograph. It was published by the University of Tampere in 2004. Its title is A Russian Journalist in the Context of Change. It was very important for me to convey this research to the Russian reader. In 2007, I defended my doctoral dissertation under the title The Changing Profession of a Journalist in Russia. It was based on my five articles published in international journals and books. It included several studies in Russia, a study of St. Petersburg media, a study of the media in the Republic of Karelia, a study of journalists in nine regions in Russia. In the period between the defense of these two theses, I worked as a scientific expert in three international projects funded by the European Union in 2002 and 2004. One was the monitoring of the parliamentary election in Russia, Another was TASIS funded project promoting independence of regional mass media in Russia, and the FARA project analysis of training of professional journalism in Slovakia, part of the program Fight Against Corruption. I lived and worked in Bratislava for six months. I have worked in many projects as a researcher, but I will name only the largest project for you. Media in a Changing Russia, Academy of Finland Project 2006-2008, the National Survey of Russian Journalists in 2008 with 800 journalists was one major part of this project. Another project, Media Systems in Flux, the challenge of the BRICS countries, this project was Academy of Finland project, duration of four years, 2012-2016, a qualitative study of journalists using in-depth interviews in the five BRICS countries was one major part of this project. Both projects was led by Carly Nordenstreng. One more project, international project, which included 18 countries was journalistic role performance around the global. Uh, Russia was part of this project and I coordinated the Russian part. The project was realized in 2013-2017. About the topic at hand then, your research. As far as I know, you work with media in Russia and China. Uh, but how would you describe your work? What is it really about? China and Russia are the influential players on the global arena. Therefore, it is very important to study the media and journalism affecting their societies and indeed also to whole global media sphere. I conceive it a new exploratory study of new media in China and Russia 
to find out how journalism is changing with the advent of new communication technology and a new generation of journalists in these countries. My project idea, corporation or entrepreneurship, how future journalists in Shanghai and St. Petersburg foresee their professional success in the digital news ecosystem, received a grant from the Kona Foundation for six months and a mobility grant from the Academy of Finland. This allowed fieldwork to be completed with the support of the Nordic Center of Fudan University in Shanghai and St. Petersburg University. These qualitative case studies included in-depth interviews with journalist entrepreneurs, a focus group interview with students of journalism schools, and thematic interviews with the educators. I can tell you the preliminary results of this study. First, future journalists see themselves not only as hired workers in the traditional mass media, PR, and advertising agencies, but also as independent entrepreneurs of their media startups, launched either as online media or self-media, a booming field of social media in these countries. The motivation to be economically and politically independent entrepreneurs is fueled by digitization, market liberalization, their ICT skills, a generation of millennials with the desire for self-realization and work perceived as pleasure to create new services and products and benefit society. Second, journalistic startups sharply differed from traditional mass media in the terms of their niche market orientation and careful work with their target audience. The search and development of innovative business models the economic thinking of resource saving, the small size of the media organization, and the internal, non-hierarchical, friendly atmosphere of its employees. Third, self-media is a new generation of media in China and Russia in the 21st century. With the advent of the WeChat platform in China in 2011, and Telegram in Russia in 2011. Self-media boom has begun in these countries. These platforms made it possible for anyone to become a journalist and a publisher, opening their own channel and gaining an audience. In the interpretation of the Xinhua Dictionary, self-media is that it is run by individuals or groups of people to publish and share information of a certain public value, including, but it is not limited to blogs, microblogs, microposts, and other forms. Self-media can be characterized as personal media or the type of social media on the Internet. 
they are platforms to express ideas and self-expression. As my study revealed, the most economically successful self-meeting China are founded by professional journalists. In Russia, journalists open their independent channels on Telegram to speak critically on political issues. These channels, independent channels, can be authorized or anonymous. Fourth, the history of the birth and development of domestic social media in China and Russia has completely different trajectories in their relations with the authorities. In China, the initiative and the process of the emergence of new social media, for example, Weibo, 2009, WeChat, 2011, was always approved and coordinated with the government, while in Russia, the initiative and emergence of new social media, for example, Adnaklasniki, Classmaters, 2006, Vkontakte, 2006, or Telegram, 2011, was a personal initiative of young, ambitious intellectuals who wanted an uncensored internet space for free communication and information. This difference in the development of domestic social media in China and Russia reveals different contexts of consultative dimension, the cooperation of the state and business in China, and the conflict of the young generation of intellectuals with the authorities, authorities who seek to put society under political control in Russia. What conclusions we can make? Social media is not only a tool in the work of a journalist, but also a place of work for a journalist and new opportunities for individual successful media business, but also political influence. Both WeChat in China and Telegram in Russia have become the best place of the self-media industry. Self-media are individual or group startups with clear positioning in the market, bright personal leadership actively interacting with their audience. Created in 2011 as domestic social media, WeChat and Telegram gradually globalized in terms of the numbers of their users, hundreds of millions, countries where they became popular and multilingualism in communication and business. In the context of consultative dimension, cases of China and Russia are different. In China, social media is a joint product of state and business. Self-media openly earn in WeChat, and the regulatory system itself aims to encourage the development of quality services and a transparent economy. On the contrary, in Russia, Social media is a product of a private initiative of young intellectuals for free communication who resist state control. Personal media on Telegram is a tool of political influence. Telegram has a lot of anonymous channels, 
it is unknown who sponsor personal channels, what information is supplied for money or services, and for what purpose. Along with exclusive information, there is a lot of, of misinformation. The economy of Telegram channels is not transparent. In conclusions, it can be argued that the Chinese media system has peacefully integrated a new generation of social media, which are becoming the locomotive of the media economy, giving rise to the self-media industry and self-employment of journalists. The commercial function of journalism is becoming a priority for media entrepreneurs. The political function of journalism is still strictly assigned to the state-owned media. On the contrary, the Russian media system shows a conflict development with the advent of social media created from the private initiative of the young generation for free and politically uncensored communication and information. It is ironic that not only young journalists and opposition politicians open their personal channels in the uncensored telegram space, but also various officials, ministers, and Kremlin curators do this by launching their channels in telegram. This shows that everybody needs freedom of speech, including a journalist and a bureaucrat. At the same time, it shows a desire for political influence on society. That is, the political function of journalism remains a key function for journalists and public in Russia. In the field of media and journalism research, there is still very little work on a comparative study of Chinese and Russian media. This study of new media and future journalists has witnessed new opportunities for the democratization of media systems in communist China and post-communist Russia. These opportunities are opening up thanks to new information and communication technologies. The involvement of these countries in the global economy and the effect of mutual influence and a new generation of millennials that have absorbed the liberal values of freedom of choice and creativity. Future research would contribute to the further development of a comparative analysis of Chinese and Russian media with a focus on their social media and self-media and their role in society. What projects are you currently working on? I'm currently working on two articles in which I'm the first author. One is titled Cross-Border Journalism in Eastern Europe and Russia, co-authored with Andrei Shkolkai, the University of Bratislava. A chapter for the Palgrave Handbook of Cross-Border Journalism. Another article titled Journalistic Role Performance in the Russian Press is being co-authored with Olga Lagunova and Sergei Davidov from Higher School of Economics, Moscow, 
for one international journal. Do you have new ideas for your next topics or will these be lifelong projects? My main project has been a comparative study on journalists in the BRICS countries leading to a book in 2018. Since then, my focus has been on emerging forms of journalism in China and Russia. These countries represent a historical challenge for media and journalism because of the suppression of political freedoms, while at the same time encouraging neoliberal market freedom, posing a serious question as to how the conditions of special authoritarianism affect the younger generation of journalists. I would like to continue this topic, comparative studies of media and journalism in Russia and China. What kind of a future do you see for your research topics? Journalism and media research still has an imbalance between Western and non-Western research. I would like to hope that this situation will gradually improve. That is, research in non-Western countries, including China and Russia, will receive more attention from both researchers and their institutions and various foundations. One example is the Tampere Research Center for Russian and Chinese Media, which we have at our university. Its longevity is vulnerable because its activities are based mainly on the enthusiasm of its members. Thank you for coming over here today, Svetlana Basti. Thank you very much.